unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. History will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. Make the world that put you here happy that you were put there in that great institution. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Deb Bixler once said, nervous and excited are the same sensation, positive versus negative. Stop saying you're nervous and start saying you're excited. This quote perfectly symbolizes everything that I've been saying about public speaking since I first started mentoring and coaching. And it's a topic that I think is really important to cover because a lot of people struggle with nervousness surrounding public speaking and general communication. And I think that the episode today really demonstrates that that point really well. I brought in actually my first guest for this podcast. His name's Alex, and he actually runs a podcast of his own called Time for Your Hobby. And I, I'm just going to give full disclosure right now. I introduced him in the beginning of the, of the clip, and I completely butchered the name of his podcast. So I apologize, Alex, for that. But um, no, I think it was a really excellent episode in, in terms of defining nervousness around public speaking and some strategies to get over that. We talked about podcasting and how that helps people get more comfortable in conversational uh, situations, and I think it was a really, really fun episode. I'm not going to take too much of your guys' time because it is a bit of a long uh, long episode, but I, I have it all you know recorded. I'm just going to post after this little clip, and unfortunately, this was back before I was doing a video component to the podcast, so uh, for anyone watching the video version of this, it's just going to be audio from here on out, so just for this episode, obviously. From now on, I'll, I'll be doing video components as well, but uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys have a lot of uh, have a lot of fun and, and interaction with the episode. And make sure you reach out to Alex. He's an awesome guy, and he does amazing things on his podcast. I enjoy it quite a bit. I was actually on an episode of his podcast, which won't be airing until next year. But as soon as it does, we will we will make sure to, to share that around uh, with this podcast and with Talk Academy. And he actually was on an episode of Talk Academy as well. If you guys remember, if you guys are watching that podcast, then you might know that he was on an episode of that a few weeks ago. So. Um, yeah, without further ado, I'm going to just transition here into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy, and I hope to see you next week. All right, well, I'm here with Alex now from uh, Alex uh, Hobby, or Time with the Hobbies is the actual name of his podcast. Um, so, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, yes. I'm the host of a podcast called Time for Your Hobby. I know some people are like, huh, time of hobby, time if hobby, time Alex, <laughs> but yes, uh, I'm doing fantastic. I just had you on my podcast, and which is going to be released in a few months, actually next year. And now you have, I have the honor to be on your podcast, which is, I'm excited because it's been a long time since I've been on somebody's podcast. So I'm excited. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen, but once again, I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. I am too. And actually, uh, I actually didn't tell you this. You're the first guest on this public speaking podcast I've ever had. Ooh, the pressure is on. <laughs> <laughs> so you better make it good. No, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, so uh, I like like Alex said, I was a guest on his podcast as well. So make sure you go check out Time with uh, Time for Your Hobby. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to mess that up. <laughs> Don't worry, so do I. But uh, make sure you go check that out. It's a great podcast. And my episode will be out in quite some time. But I'll make sure to update you guys when it actually is out, and you guys will be able to go check that out, and it'll be really exciting. So, uh, Alex, before we get started, do you have anything you want to plug, you know, any social media or podcast or anything like that? Well, you know, I got I got a little podcast called Time for Your Hobby that <laughs> I, I, I like to plug in. Yes, so uh, I have a podcast I where I interview people from all walks of life from around the world about their hobbies, and yeah, Time for Your Hobby can found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere pretty much you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. My Instagram is Time for Your Hobby. My Twitter, and I always mess this up, it's T 
T-F-Y-H. Time for your, yes, podcast. So T-F-Y-H podcast. Um, I am on, I think that's a, those are it. I, I'm wherever you look up Time for Your Hobby podcast on Google. That's where I am. Awesome. Well, I, I definitely will be putting all those links down in the description for everyone to check out. Uh, that you guys can give him all the attention he deserves because he is doing great stuff. It's it's very entertaining podcast. Oh, thank uh, you. So, the yeah, my pleasure. So the topic for today's episode is getting comfortable with public speaking mm-hmm. and in what ways you can improve your speech by talking about things you're comfortable with. And I thought, who better to talk about it than someone who talks to people who are comfortable with what they do every day. <laughs> Plot twist. So, <laughs> so before we get started, uh, like you and I talked about on your episode, you do have public speaking experience. So would you mind mm-hmm. kind of just talking about how you got started in public speaking, what experience you have, how long you've been doing it, all that sort of th- stuff. So I'm going to go a little bit back. So I am dyslexic. So for people who might not be very familiar with dyslexia, I have a reading and writing disability, but I've improved it throughout the years. But growing up, it was tough. School, because also... I speak French and English. They're both my first languages, and languages can be tough. So those weren't my strong suits, so I figured why not try to help improve my other qualities, and in that case, I said, you know what, speaking, I love talking to people. I didn't have this deep voice as a kid, which I would say is a bonus for now, but uh, back as a kid, I was very social, I was very interactive, loved talking to people, and um, I brought this through presentations, which I always loved, always nervous, but always loved doing. And then my first, let's say, official public speaking job was uh, I was a tour guide on the Rideau Canal and a captain as well. So I would just do speeches all day, talk to new strangers every day and have eyes on me at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I also did a tour guide job in France at Vimy Ridge, which was a World War One memorial site. And uh, yeah, once again, that's my chance to practice my public speaking. And I also produce music and rap as well. So a lot of talking goes into what I do. <laughs> so and then uh, a couple of years later, probably well, two years ago, I decided to start a podcast. And uh, I talked to other people from around the world about their hobbies. And most of the time, it's people I do not know. I don't know where they're from. I don't know if they have a lot of followers or not. It's just cool. That's your hobby. Cool. I want you on. So it's complete random. I send the questions ahead of time. They don't need to answer it. And then we just talk. And the fact that I just love learning along the way, I look like an idiot asking all these questions, but it's a learning experience for me as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that anyone who's listened to either of my podcasts knows I don't believe that there's such thing as a stupid question. So I am thoroughly enjoyed by the questions you ask because they're often questions that I would ask myself if I were in your shoes. Uh, so on that same front, mm-hmm. you, you talked about how you, how you were a tour guide for a while and how you have, have, had, have had a lot of vocal experience in all sorts of different uh, lights. During, that, during all those different instances, which of those experiences would you say was your favorite? Which one did you feel the most confident in? What style of speaking were you most uh, comfortable in your, in your own shoes? I would definitely say it would be my first job, not my first job, but my job where I was a tour guide on the boat. Yes, it was fun to be a tour guide at Vimy Ridge, but those were more serious. You couldn't be more free. You had to be talking about history and there's death involved. Mm. But uh, when it came to the tour guide on the boat on the river showing the city around, I was a little more free and I had to read the audience. So jokes with kids would not transfer well with senior citizens and vice versa. And I... 
for me, I love making eye contact. I'm not not the creepy kind of eye contact where I just stare deep into your <laughs> eye and look at your soul, but like smiling with your eyes and just engaging with people. And sometimes I like interacting with people, including them into the speech, just like ask stupid questions. And then uh, it just makes it very interactive. And it was at that point, I'm like, you know what? I really love this. I love talking to people. I love learning new things in a sense that I have no idea how they're going to respond, but it puts me on my feet to try to figure out, all right, how am I going to adapt to this? How am I going to learn from this? Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, I also have been very good at presentations. And so, but yeah, once again, the best one would have to be the presentation and the tour guide-ness, if that's a word, on the (laughs) boat. Awesome. Well, it definitely sounds like a very interesting and entertaining job to say in the least. Uh, so like, like you just said, you you had to very, you had to get very good at adapting and being quick on your mm-hmm. feet and responding to things quickly off the top of your head. So would you say that your speaking style is more based off of that style of more ad-libbed or impromptu style speaking, or are you more of a structured kind of guy? I would say I'm more of a reactive kind of individual, but let's say for presentations, there, I do prepare some bullet points, like topics I want to talk about, especially in university. And this is what I did, but I never wrote down like the whole speech. I tried that a few times before and it was garbage because <laughs> you focus on the actual things you want to say, but you don't focus on how you're delivering it. It's kind of like, uh, well, for me, for example, it's just a dictation, which isn't bad for certain people, but for me, it's horrible for myself. Like I, I cannot <laughs> do it. I just take an idea and I just run with it. Like I was saying to Brendan in my podcast, I had this professor back in university where he would walk around the class just smacking the desk when he talks. And it's just him. And I'm like, okay, found that interesting. Didn't think much of it. And then we had presentations in that class. And one of the presentations, I actually walked around and like just banged the desk as well in a natural way. Not just like out of the blue. And then I would also pick up the chalk and just draw a giant circle. I started talking about cats and house and cheese for some reason, which was not necessarily related to the topic. But I, for some reason or somehow, I was able to connect it to the topic, like connect it. Like it was just weird. It was just like, okay, cool. I made this happen. And after that, the first comment uh, somebody said is, they raised their hand and they said, this is not a question. I just want to say, you're really good at presentations. And I'm like, cool, cool. What did I just say? Well, I don't, can you just recap what I said? Cause <laughs> I just found, cause like I mentioned before, I go into autopilot sometimes. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that most speakers who have been doing it for a long time or who are practice speakers kind of have that same experience. I know I certainly have had my blackout moments where I get up on stage. I remember mm-hmm. the first word and then the next thing I know I'm walking off stage and everyone's like, that was a great speech. And I'm like, great. Could you, <laughs> could you tell me what it was about? <laughs> like, Can you do the speech <laughs> there's for something me? About, yeah. There's something about just getting into that mode of just when you're on a roll, your brain's just like, okay, I'm out. Like you, you, you got this and you just don't remember a single word of it. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting how that happens but it's also kind of funny to see you're you're just kind of going to overdrive um so when you're when you're speaking in that style what are some of your favorite things to talk about oh that is a very good question uh well since my podcast is about hobbies from walking to pole dancing to being a pilot to public speaking I really can talk about anything. And it sounds like I'm stroking my own ego right here saying, yeah, yeah, I could talk about anything. <laughs> sure, I can talk about everything, anything, but not be an expert at it. Um, for me, let's say if I were to put more comfortable zones where I'm really comfortable talking about, like 100% or 99%, uh, public speaking, podcasts, making music, sports, um, 
the life experience, but I feel like that applies for everybody. <laughs> hmm. um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess those would be the top ones. But once again, I'm very comfortable talking about any topic at all. Hmm. So Alex, let me ask you, mm-hmm. what is your hobby? Ah, so are we getting meta here? <laughs> are we going to say podcasting is my hobby? But so other people's hobby is my hobby. Uh, if it's not that, then I would say primarily it would be making music. That is my hobby. Hmm. So I produce music and I also love writing songs and I also rap. So writing poetry was uh, a big thing for me. Even being dyslexic, it was one of my things to learn new words and try out structures of words. So that was my way to improve my, I was going to say improve my dyslexia, but no, uh, try to improve <laughs> how I deal with dyslexia. So yeah, making hmm. music was my hobby or is, or still is. Yes. <laughs> Very interesting. Have you ever talked about making music in terms of like, not maybe not necessarily giving a speech on it per se, but talking about it in a public sphere, talking about it on an episode, having a full length conversation about it, giving some kind of presentation in that context? Um, talking about making music, I haven't done a full, let's say, mini TED talk about it, but I have <laughs> shared my knowledge and that's a thing I really pry on. I always love sharing everything I have. When it comes to podcasting, I share all the resources I put in a Google Drive. When it comes to music, I always love helping new people out. I'm not an expert in music, in no sense of the word. I can't even read or play the piano correctly. I literally go one key at a time, and sometimes it takes me hours and hours and hours to complete one song. And it's just, Mm. whenever somebody has questions, I always love helping them and saying, hey, this is what I've learned. It might work for you. It might not work for you, but take it for what it is and just go along with it awesome well i think that that's definitely a, a good trait to have to want to help out the next generation or mm-hmm. help out anyone else who's trying to build themselves up in the same way that you know we all are in, in some sense so i think that the point i'm trying to get at here mm-hmm. is that when you talk about music when you talk about your passions when you're, when you're talking to others about you know helping them with with what they're trying to do and providing those resources do you feel more comfortable having those conversations than you do talking about things that you're not so familiar with? Um, no, I'm actually comfortable with any topic. And I think a key thing that I learned throughout the years, and my wife might like disagree, but I feel like I've grown the ability to admit when I'm wrong and admit when I'm not knowledgeable of something, thus keeping me open-minded to learn new things. So if I'm in a topic where it's, let's, whether it's a serious topic or a casual topic, let's say uh, I know nothing about... I don't even know. Building world maps, for example. (laughs) I will come in with like what I believe and I'll admit that like, hey, I don't know much about this, but this is what I know. Please enlighten me. And if if I'm Mm. in a serious topic about something where I strongly believe in something, I'll stand by it. But if along the lines and I realize, oh, wait, I'm wrong. I'll say, I'm sorry, I was wrong about this. And I've always tried to understand both perspectives. So... I'm yeah, and honestly, I am comfortable talking about anything, whether I'm extremely knowledgeable about it or not. It just it's my curiosity that really carries me through every conversation. Hmm, that's definitely a valuable trait to have. I wish more people shared that <laughs> trait with you, but um, I think that it's it's interesting that you say that and that you have had public speaking experience so that might relate to that mm-hmm. that level of comfort. I'm not sure. Have have you always been that that level of uh, that? And maybe this is an age thing as well, but have you always been comfortable talking about pretty much whenever? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But this is an age thing, and uh, this is my life experience as well. I had a hard time fitting in 
into certain groups. Mm. And this, I'm, I don't necessarily want to make this all about race. So I'm half black, half white, and mm. usually trying to fit into one group. They didn't accept me. Fitting into the other group didn't accept me. So I kind of had like to make my own. Like I, I have to be comfortable with who I am. This is who I am. And mm. I was just like, you know what? I am just as much white as I as I am black. I have a voice. I want to share it and. I just, I've learned to, this is something I learned throughout the years that I have to start being more comfortable with myself. Like I was very insecure about my dyslexia before. And now I'm at a point where like, well, screw it. This is who I am. This, whether you like me or not, because people will like you. Some people will not like you. That's life. You're never going to make everybody happy. I'm sure certain episodes, people are like, oh, I don't like how Alex is interviewing Brendan. I'm like, oh no, then don't listen to my episode then. (laughs) No, absolutely. I think that's a really good mentality to, to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So what, um, in terms of, of, of your confidence and, and getting to that level of being comfortable of just, you know, mm-hmm. being yourself and talking about whatever and, you know, maybe bringing in the personality of like, like back when you were a tour guide, for example, mm-hmm. having that personality and that adaptability and, you know, now being able to, to be curious and talk to people about their interests and their hobbies and that sort of thing. What has kind of, has there, has there been anything to get you to that point of confidence and that point of comfort? Um, to start the podcast? Yeah, to, yeah, to, to reach out to strangers and say, hey, talk to me about the weird things you do on your, on your spare time. <laughs> um, well, like, once again, being a tour guide taught me to just speak to people who I've literally just met. And they will come up with mm. questions at the end of the tours that I am not prepared for. So, um, yeah, no, it just it, the confidence has been built throughout the years. And something I do a little different on my podcast that most people i guess don't do but maybe they do i'm not exactly sure but at the end of every single one of my episodes i always ask do you have any questions for me about your Mm. hobby and i never know the answer or the question they're going to ask me beforehand so it's (laughs) really putting me on the spot and i love that like training aspect because it teaches me how to think rationally and people can hear when i am being honest and when I'm not, well, I try to be honest as most as I can, but I try to <laughs> just be like, okay, well, this is putting me on the spot. So they, they have control. They have the power. So it just flips it over. But when it comes to confidence, it sounds egotistical saying, yeah, yeah, I always have it. Since the beginning of my podcast, I've always had it. And I feel like when I truly felt like I achieved my I was going to say peak of confidence uh, now, but like a a level, like a new level of confidence, I'd say mid-university. So probably Mm. when I was 20, 20 years old, so around your your age. So I'm like, you know what? This is it. This is who I am. (laughs) And the voice helped. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. No, having having a voice like yours is definitely something to make the guys jealous, to say (laughs) the least. But... (laughs) No, I think that's great that you were able to to come to that level. Uh, so you know, at, at such an important time of your life, and be able to to sit there and, and pretty much remain at that that confidence level. That's something that not a lot of people can really say for themselves. Which is, you know, it, it's awesome that they were able to get there. And I think that it's it's really interesting to to take your concept of you know speaking to people about their hobbies, about things that they do, about things that they're passionate about or that they care a lot about, and. I haven't gone through all of your episodes. You have quite a bit of them out, so I haven't been able to make it through all of them since our last conversation. Mm-hmm. But I've listened to a few, and people have very interesting stories when it comes to their hobbies. And what I find most interesting about it is seeing these people talk about their hobby, or I guess hearing these people talk about their hobbies, is incredibly interesting because they seem so comfortable talking about them. Mm-hmm. 
And this is kind of the point that I was reaching out towards the beginning is that having something you can talk about that you're passionate about, that you care about, that you are very enthusiastic about, your hobby, for example, something that, that you care deeply about is is infinitely easier to talk about than something that you have no experience on whatsoever. Mm-hmm. At, le- at least in my experience. I'm not sure what your take is on that. No, no, you're absolutely right. And that's the reason why I have these people on my podcast. I would never have somebody come on my podcast to talk about a different hobby that they have never experienced because <laughs> that would be, first of all, a very short episode and like, yeah, oh yeah, I didn't know that, yeah. But I also found like when it comes to like talking about hobbies on my podcast, some people come in kind of nervous and scared. And like you said, in my podcast, it's completely normal for anybody to be nervous when you're doing any type of speaking or presentation or sharing. And some people start off like nervous. And then as we go get along, as we keep the conversation going, it becomes like a conversation between two old friends. And then you just have that old friend trying to catch up with you and trying to figure out, oh, well, how'd you do this? Or, oh, that's cool. Learning more about you. And I try my best to make it a safe place in a way where... People are comfortable with whatever they want to say. And also what I tend to do at the end of every single episode, once I edit everything, I send it off to my guests so they can listen to it. And if there's any part they do not like, they just let me know. So I'm adding that extra level of comfort saying, you know what? It's a free space. Say whatever you want. If you don't like what you just said, we'll delete it. Yeah, and I think that providing that environment of, you know, this is this is a place that you can talk about what you want to talk about, and if there's anything that you're not comfortable with, it doesn't have to be in there. That, that's really, really beneficial to getting quality content out on what you're trying to get out of them, and not not just for, for content's mm-hmm. sake, but also for building that community. Like mm-hmm. like you said, you in your episode, you like to build a family with all of your guests. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, really uh, noble and and admirable thing to do with your, with your podcast, and I'm, I'm really... I've I've taken my own notes from your podcast and <laughs> and and tried to look at both of my projects with with the same kind of um, the same kind of motivation not not to steal anything that you're doing obviously but you know I, I like to take inspiration from a lot of different sources and, and you're definitely one that I've I've taken attention to oh. um, but one of the things that has been very interesting to me to say in the least is that over time I've learned that about every three out of four people is terrified of public speaking. Mm-hmm. Public speaking is such a massively feared uh, thing to do, and it's often because people see it as an obligation. Mm -hmm. They see it as something that they have to do or something that they're going to be forced into doing for class or for their work or for a club they're involved in. And very few people, proportionately speaking, I'm sure there's a significant amount of people that are not fearful of public speaking, but very few in proportion to those who are fearful of it are actually confident and and. Uh, comfortable with speaking in front of people publicly on a regular basis. And that's not to say that they're not nervous. Mm -hmm. And this is a thing that I talk about a lot on my show is that anyone who says that they're not nervous speaking is a liar. doesn't matter how experienced they are. It doesn't matter how long they've been speaking, how much they, uh, you know, how much they speak every day. They always get nervous speaking. It's always there. It's just a matter of controlling that nervous energy and knowing what to do with it and not letting it stop you from doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You could be the most confident person in the world and still get shaky when you're on stage in front of a hundred people. It's a natural response. So to take that and basically put it in an environment where, okay, this is a casual conversation. We're going to talk about what you want to talk about and only what you want to talk about. You can say whatever you want about it. To see the amount of nervousness that kind of gets extracted from that, because if we're talking statistically, you have almost 100 episodes out. Mm-hmm. Nearly 77 of those guests should 
be terrified of speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. And they just spoke in front of a massive following because you have a, a, a significant following. And they didn't think even twice about it because, first of all, they can't see the following, so that kind of helps. But also because they're talking about something that they care a lot about and that they're passionate about. And that's advice I often like to give to new speakers, especially. And I talked about this a little bit on your show, mm-hmm. but when you're talking about things that if you're trying to get in public speaking or if you're being forced into public speaking or if you're trying to you know broaden your horizons and try something new talk about things that you're comfortable with talk about things that you care a lot about and that you're passionate about and it'll make that message way easier to come out and you'll be way less jittery mm-hmm. but i don't mean to steal this like i said this is your <laughs> this is your episode i don't mean to steal your spotlight i just had to go on that little uh that little tangent so um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that or if you've had that same experience with people in, in their conversations with you on your podcast, but that's just what I've seen uh, from a from an outsider's perspective. But you know what? It's extremely important for you to share that. Absolutely. And this sounds weird, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if I would be able to give a eulogy, not because I'm nervous, mm. just I'm, I've always loved talking and it just feels like I want to take that time to just reflect on my own. It sounds odd. Mm. That's it's a weird thing. I, because um, because I had a few people pass away in my life, and I want to just take those moments to reflect on just that relationship I had with that individual. I honestly, I don't know. I honestly could not explain why I feel like I could not give it. Maybe it's one of those things. Like maybe I could, but I never know until I get into that situation where I would have to. But. It's a weird thing. I don't know. I've, that's that's the one weird thing I would have to say. It's more of a personal thing that I would like to just reminisce on my own with the relationship I had with that person. Sorry for just bringing up this dark darkness, but yeah. <laughs> no, you're perfectly fine. I think that's a good point to bring up is that no matter how good of a speaker you are and how comfortable you are with any topic, there's always something that stops a speaker. Mm -hmm. There's always a topic that they have a hard time going after. There's always a speech that they have a hard time giving. Mm -hmm. And for you as eulogies, I perfectly understand that. I would have a hard time giving a eulogy as well. I think that I could, depending on who it was, Mm -hmm. but it would kind of just depend, like I said, it depends on who it is and the situation and how close I I was to them. And I mean, I'd have to be pretty close if I was giving the eulogy, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, it's, it's something that, and I think I'm guessing you're, you're basing it off of the, uh, the phrase that I told you in your episode, <laughs> which is in the public speaking community, or I guess in the communications community overall, there's a, a fairly common saying that because public speaking is the number one most feared thing in the world mm-hmm. and death is like number four, <laughs> that more people would rather be in the grave mm-hmm. than giving the eulogy. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's where you're, where you're basing that comment off of. Am I, am I accurate? Yeah, in that? yeah, you're accurate. It's, and once again, <laughs> it's not because I would be nervous to talk about in, uh, talk in front of other people about the person I care deeply about. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I feel like this is my time to just reflect on the relationship I have mm. with this person. It's, it's kind of like, it sounds weird like saying this. I do highly encourage public speaking, but to a certain degree, mm. it's kind of like social media. You don't need to share everything. yeah like no i definitely agree you're allowed to keep like things for yourself and i feel like that's one of the things like you know what i want to keep this for myself and everything else i can share but like it's it's important to know your boundaries know what you want to keep private in public because certain things is meant to be kept for yourself like you don't want to know if when i'm having diarrhea that's that's, (laughs) let's be honest (laughs) yeah 
No, I absolutely agree. And I think that no, that's a perfect analogy. Comparing to social media is, is a great way of thinking about it. You see some speakers that they get on, on stage or they get in front of a class and they start presenting and they get to a point where they have no idea what they're going to say next. And they just start to kind of stumble and they'll start talking about whatever and they start bringing up random things that are not relevant mm-hmm. that they should definitely not be talking about. Or you get the opposite. They're a little too confident and they start bringing up things that are <laughs> completely inappropriate for their talk. And it's just like, why are you saying these things? And there's like, I don't know. I just feel like it. There, there's definitely a line mm-hmm. and, and everyone has a different place for that line. And I think that when you get to the personal level, like a eulogy or a speech about something that you're very passionate about, but that you don't want people to know about, or that you don't want people to, to know how you feel about politics can have that same effect mm-hmm. on people. Some people don't like talking about politics in a public sphere because of their fear of ridicule, which is perfectly understandable. There are others who are perfectly comfortable talking about politics in a political sphere because that's their job mm-hmm. or they just really like ranting. I tend to be one of those individuals, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> It's just a matter of having that level of comfort and knowing mm-hmm. where your line is. And the more you speak, the more you practice, the more you talk about certain topics, the further back that line goes until you're at a point where there's very few things you won't talk about. And I think that's the goal is to try to push that line back as far as you can if you're planning on being a good speaker. Okay, so I have a question for you. Feel free not to answer it, but what would you say is your threshold? Like that one thing there, like, uh I'm not, 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 not that you're not comfortable talking about it, but you're like, you know what? This is something that I'd like to keep for myself. Kind of like my situation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything like that? That is an interesting question. It's not something I've really thought about before. You know, what I won't speak about because there's so many things I would speak mm-hmm. about. Um, I don't tend to like, and it depends on the context too. If we're mm-hmm. talking stage speeches, that's different than a casual conversation or a debate. Or like if it comes to a debate or even a casual conversation, I don't like... I don't like having to discuss things. That's not a good way to phrase it. (laughs) When it comes to things I don't know, like Mm -hmm. things I haven't done my research on, I don't tend to respond. So if I'm talking to someone and they bring up something that I haven't done my research on, Mm -hmm. I don't have a response to it. I don't like to take a side because I don't know all the details. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, if if they present like this person did this thing, it's like, okay, well, what's the context? Because everything's taken out of context nowadays. Mm -hmm. So... In that circumstance, I think that talking about things that I don't know all the information on is somewhat uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. If it's like your situation where you're asking people to teach you about things, that's entirely different. I'm all for learning about new things. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly fun and fine. It depends on who I'm speaking with as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to my mom about, you know, certain inappropriate topics. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk to, you know, certain family members about certain things that I have heard my friends do that I, I will not repeat and like like there's certain things that are just like you know obviously there's a line for that mm-hmm. kind of stuff but if you're talking just in general on a stage in front of people your average topic um eulogies would be hard mm-hmm. I, again it would be situational and i would yeah. probably give one depending on who it was but they'd be hard um i think that the only thing that i'd be more uncomfortable giving a speech about would be something along the lines of like justifying a life or death situation kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. those things are very dangerous to to cross over. Mm-hmm. Like if you're talking about whether or not certain actions should have been held, and this is usually in regards to politics, but it could be held in other instances as well. But talking about things, talking about life and death in a public sphere is such a dangerous game to play mm-hmm. because you never know how people are going to take it. And 
like there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable to talk about that I'm perfectly fine with talking about mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, animals, when it comes to like slaughter of animals and animal rights and that kind of stuff. Very uncomfortable topic for most. I have no problem talking about it. When it comes to certain certain political views, mm-hmm. very uncomfortable the most. I have no problem talking about both sides of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I will address most things from a neutral standpoint. Or, you know, maybe if I if I am allowed to show bias, I will show my bias and I will state that that's my opinion and that's my view and I, that's not reflective of what other people think. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things when it comes to, you know, life and death, when it comes to the choices of a lot of like the more moral and ethical kind of decisions mm-hmm. are very difficult to talk about, but I'll, I'll talk about them. It's just that those tend to be ones that I... If I have the choice, I will try to avoid. Mm-hmm. But if somebody says, hey, let's talk about, you know, poverty, I'll be like, I mean, I guess we, we can do it. It's not something I'm against talking about, but it's just it's not an easy topic to discuss. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I'm giving a speech on something and I have the choice to give a speech on something, I'm not, I'm not going to choose something that involves controlling the lives of others. That's not something that I'm I'm perfectly, you know, uh, well equipped to talk about in a in a full length speech in front of a large audience, I would say. Yeah, no, but that's that's the important thing as well to know your boundaries. You know your threshold. You, if you're not comfortable about talking about something, you don't need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. and that's a big that's a big point too. Is that you know people people tend to think that just because they have to give a speech that they have to give a speech on a particular topic, mm-hmm. unless you're being required to speak about a particular thing, you can have as much freedom as you want in what you say. If somebody's requiring you to speak about a particular topic, you don't have to take a side. You don't have to speak about it mm-hmm. in a biased manner. Just state it as, as you know, my uh, former agri- agricultural teacher would have said it. Be intellectually honest. Mm-hmm. Tell the facts as it is and get out of there. Don't don't talk morals. Don't talk opinions. Don't talk anything in that regard. Just tell it as it is and leave. That's the best thing you can do in a situation you're uncomfortable with. But try to avoid those situations as much as possible, especially if you're trying to learn how to speak. Don't speak on issues that you're not fully comfortable with. Just talk about things that you know. Another interesting point I want to bring up, uh, I don't know if, what's your opinion on this, but, you know, let's say for in the United States and Canada, people say, oh, freedom of speech, freedom of speech, mm-hmm. which is absolutely correct. People have freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. But what people have to understand as well is that with freedom of speech, your words have repercussions or benefits depending on what you say you can't people can't expect to just have freedom of speech and nothing to bounce back it's our action reaction aspect so like you were saying during my podcast episode where people have to be aware of what they're saying because they can have an effect yeah no absolutely i think that and i'm a firm believer in in that idea that like i said public speaking has taught me Mm -hmm. one of the most important things that's taught me is to be careful with my words, mm-hmm. to be very selective with what I say and how I say it and who I'm saying it to. Um, I try to avoid saying anything that I wouldn't say in, in front of anyone. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's very few things that I would only say in front of certain people. Pretty much everything I say, I'm fine with talking in front of in, in front of most people. It depends on the context, mm-hmm. obviously. But for the most part, like if I'm saying this in front of you, I'll say this in front of a million people. Like, so when it comes to that topic, you have to understand, and you're absolutely right, repercussions are the biggest part of freedom of speech. And as someone who is, a, is an advocate for public speaking, clearly I'm an advocate for freedom of speech. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was kind of a given. But um, with, with that being said, I'm also an advocate for think before you speak. Mm-hmm. Don't go into a speech or don't ad-lib a speech or don't make up, you know, if, if you have a Q&A after your speech, don't just go into answers. Don't just go into a speech. Don't just go into a discussion. 
take time. If somebody asks you a question and you're not fully sure of what you're going to say next, don't just start talking because then you start getting into deep, deep holes. Yep. Take a second, think about it, really know what you want to say and, and think about how that might impact your audience mm-hmm. and then say it. And that's going to lead to the less, I mean, it still could cause problems because that's the problem with freedom of speech is, mm-hmm. is, as, as great as it is, and I will defend it until I die, mm-hmm. it is basically a, a two-way gate mm-hmm. because anything that you say is is you have the right to say it, but you also have the right to any kind of ridicule mm-hmm. you get for it. It's kind of like uh, if a parent just one day, let's say they have five kids and say, you know what? Brendan is my favorite child. How do you <laughs> think the other children are going to react? <laughs> exactly. So, no, I think that... Uh, that, that's a very good point to bring up is mm-hmm. that anything you say will be used against you. So you better be careful with how you say it and what you say. Mm-hmm. So, sorry so for hijacking that, your, your podcast. <laughs> no, you're, you're perfectly fine. That was, that was actually a good point. It's something that I hadn't, I hadn't considered bringing up for dinner speech on this podcast mm-hmm. before, which is kind of like, I guess I considered it as, I, I considered it more to be like, it's a public speaking podcast, duh, it's about freedom of speech, but that, that is an important topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with you hijacking my, <laughs> my podcast. I'll let you take the lead. I'll uh, let you take the lead. <laughs> <laughs> so in regards to nervousness, and in, mm-hmm. in regards to talking about things that you're comfortable with, and I'd rather, you can speak on behalf of yourself or you can speak on behalf of your guests, um, and not to say that you're the spokesperson for everyone you've ever talked to, but in your experience of talking to people about things that they're comfortable with, have you noticed any interesting tricks to control nervousness or do you have any interesting tricks to control nervousness whenever you're getting, getting kind of jittery before a speech? Oh, uh, well, when it comes to podcasting, one of the easiest things for like, sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, but most people or a lot of people do it is they have, let's say something to play with in their hands, make sure it doesn't make any sound. But so for like for podcasting, if it's not video or even if it's video, you can do it underneath the table. Like right now I just picked up a, Nintendo Switch, like, thumb Joy-Con, like, finger <laughs> thing. Not the actual Joy-Con, yep. but like a rubber thing you put on top of the joystick. And I'm just playing oh, around yeah. with that in my hands. And that's, some people, sometimes are called nervous tics, but it's something to distract your hand. And it kind of, like, counterbalances the nervousness. Uh, for me, per se, if you can't really do that on stage when I do presentations. So, this is odd, but I would say my counterbalance is talking with my hands. Like throwing my hands expression and using my body is my anti-nervousness, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's absolutely a good a good response to it. I have very similar. So in the podcast setting, I have to be fidgeting with something. So there's a, on my chair, there's like these little like button things that you can pull out and put back in. I have no idea. I think that they're just like covers for the screws so you can take the chair apart. Mm-hmm. But I fidget with them every time I do an episode or even if I'm just sitting in this chair, I just, I grab them, I take them out and put them back in. So I'm actually doing it right now. I need to stop that. But <laughs> no, you, you absolutely have uh, have a good point. Having ways to distract your your nervousness to get that energy mm-hmm. out is, is definitely beneficial. And using hand gestures is an effective way of doing that in speeches. If you have the room to move, walking around, excuse me, walking around the stage is a excellent choice to to do as well and actually some advice i got from from an old speech coach of mine um he actually said that if you have flashcards if you have the ability to have flashcards in a podium that just flipping through the flashcards as long as you're not being distracting with it Mm -hmm. is a good way to get rid of that energy too so any props that you have available use those to your to your advantage because that'll distract your hands distract your body that way you're not getting all all nervous and twitchy so that's how magicians Very do it. Point. They have other props exactly. so that you don't look at their hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's all just a matter of, of um, what, what do they call that? Um, 
sleight of hand. Sleight of hand. Well, sleight, sleight of hand, but no, there's a there's a word for it. I I should know this. I used to be a magician. Um, it's like it's not diversion, but it's like uh, it's it's basically it's it's drawing the the mm. audience's attention to one spot where you're doing something else over here, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a word for it. I can't remember what it's called, and, and I'm I'm very ashamed to, be, to call myself a magician now because I can't think of it. But um, the word is, look over there. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, that's actually so. As far as my my list of questions for you goes, that's all I had so far. Um, you actually got through them pretty quickly, which is partially probably because I wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> but do you? I know that we we just had. Mm-hmm my episode on, on your podcast uh, where we where we answered a lot of questions, but do you have any more questions for me in regards to public speaking? Um, okay, so this is a tough one. It seems like you do understand what you're good at, what you want to improve, or actually, maybe not, mm-hmm. but yeah, my question to you would be, what would be the one thing you'd like to tweak to improve? Ooh, that is an excellent question. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'd like to tweak. There's a couple things I've thought about. Mm-hmm. I think one of them is my speed. I feel like I, I, I get told I don't go very fast, but I feel like I go really fast. Like even in episodes, I feel like I'm going too fast. Uh, I've been really working on trying to slow down and trying to uh, kind of pace myself when I speak. <sighs> Thinking about what I say before I say it is always a challenge. Like Because whenever somebody asks me a question, I'm so eager to jump to the answer, but I don't take time to actually process it and I answer it. And usually I'm, I'm pretty on par, but I know that's going to bite me in the butt one day when somebody's going to ask me a question, I'm going to answer it and it's not going to be what they asked. And so I think that taking more time between question and answer would be very good for me to, to practice. Um, I mean, besides that, I mean, there, there's obviously tweaks I can make about my speaking style. I'm studying speakers. I've learned a lot about speech and I think, okay, uh, actually I know exactly what, what the answer <laughs> I would give to that question is now, now that I've thought about it, I've read through, many speakers speeches and i've read through tips and tricks on speakers and all this kind of stuff one of the biggest pet peeves i have of my Mm. own that i do a lot that really bugs me but i can't help it sometimes is that i give very long-winded answers to very simple questions Mm. and in case you couldn't tell i've i've done that a lot today (laughs) but um even like when I'm, when I'm on voice hub talking to Tom or I'm, you know, when I was talking to you or when Mm -hmm. when I'm talking on episodes or whatever, or, you know, whenever somebody asks me a question, I'll repeat the same point three or four times before I find before I finally finish my answer. And that bugs me so much because I'll just be talking and I don't know how to end the point that I'm on. Like I, I, I know there's a proper ending for what I'm trying to say, but I cannot think of what I, how I want to end it. So I just keep going and I repeat the same thing over and over and over again. And I end on a, but yeah, and that's same here. the worst. <laughs> it's so annoying that, cause like I never catch anyone else doing it, but like whenever I do it, I feel so like there's such a better way. You could have, you could have ended that, that answer five minutes ago and saved them so much time just by answering the question directly. So I think kind of, compacting my answers would be my 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 pet peeve that i would fix about my speaking style what about you what would you fix i would fix probably the same thing because sometimes i go like for the end of pretty much every single episode i go so yeah (laughs) so yeah and actually that's a good point i'm sure you talked about it during your podcast episodes as well filler words or ums and Mm. ahs i try to restrain myself from using that but i'm human sometimes it comes in and uh 
See, look, and uh, see, I, it's, it's, it's a force of nature that sometimes it's harder to control. And for myself, I'd say that's probably my biggest pet peeve for myself. It's filler words for myself. I don't mm. criticize other people for doing it because not everybody is a public speaker, so they don't have as much experience or it's just aware of sp- the, they're aware, their way of speaking. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn yeah. it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, filler words are definitely a big, a big issue in public speaking and... I really can't say anything because I have a lot, and, and you've probably noticed that. I say and about 50 times before I get to my actual next word. One thing I've noticed is that when giving speeches, I've actually gotten a lot better about not saying um. I say it every now and then, and it kind of bugs me because I catch myself when I say it. I've really tried hard not to say it so much, and I've gotten better, but it's just, it slips out. But when you're speaking, I've noticed a lot, like, it, this is mostly with stage speaking, but it can, it can be in a couple different instances your stuttering, your ums, your filler words tend to go away when you're on a roll. Like if you know where you're going with your speech and you're really confident about it and you just go, I've noticed that ums and uhs and filler words just kind of evaporate. They just like, you're just going and you're at it and it sounds great and it just, it flows perfectly. And then as soon as you get past that point and you don't know where you're going next, then you start stuttering and it's very obvious and it's kind of awkward. But um yeah, so I, I, I just did the same thing. So it sounds stupid, <laughs> whenever I, but I feel sometimes my stutter goes away or my uh, filler words go away when I'm angry. <laughs> when, when you're trying to stay yeah. the point, you're just in this zone, this anger zone where you're trying to stay yeah. the point, and then there's a lot less ums. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about the determined uh, nature of trying to get something out that just takes all of that filler out and just lets it go. So it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but... Um, now I'm not going to be able to stop hearing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, the important thing to remember as well is that everybody is their own toughest critic. Like you will judge Mm. yourself the most. When I listen to my podcast, when I edit it again, I'm like, oh my goodness. Why, Alex? Because some of my filler words I use are more linking words. So on that note, or speaking of which, (laughs) on that same train of thought, (laughs) I use that all the time. Yeah. See, I send, I end all of my phrases in the same way, which really bugs me. Like I say, to say in the least, or, you know, I have phrases like that, that, that finish the sentence, which works a couple times if it works for the context, but I end every sentence that way. And it's really <laughs> annoying to say in the least. <laughs> um, <laughs> but see, you, but, you noticed it. Yeah. I didn't notice it. I, I, once again, that goes back to the idea of we are our own toughest critics and we always notice our right. little imperfections. And that's a big point, too, that I really wanted to cover. I covered a little bit in your podcast, Mm -hmm. but when you're giving your speech, nobody else knows that speech better than you do. Nobody knows when you mess up unless you point out to them that you messed up. If you stutter, if you you kind of stumble for a second and you need to take a step back, take a breather, jump back into it, like Alex recommended in his episode, take a drink of water, Mm -hmm. that's perfectly acceptable. It gives you time to refresh, to kind of get your mind cleared and, and back on track. You're not stumbling over your words. You're not struggling to get through that episode or that <laughs> got podcast on the brain typically <laughs> that speech or that presentation and it sounds so much cleaner than oh sorry let me start over because that takes away all all reliability and all confidence from your speech because the second you start over you already know that they have a bad impression of you and it comes out worse a second time so um just go into it confident and i know it's not an easy thing to do but go into it with the idea of even if i mess up i'm just going to pick myself back up and just keep going where i was 
Any, any, anything to add to that? Oh, uh, well, I was just adding a little funny thing. I saw a video on the internet where it's like it's the confidence aspect where a father and a daughter were talking. And the daughter was like, hmm. Daddy, it's one, two, three, five. And the father's like, No, sweetie, it's one, two, three, four, five. No, Daddy, it's one, two, three, five. <laughs> she just goes on and on. <laughs> and she, she had the confidence, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was cute. Hey, misfounded confidence is not lost upon your audience. If they <laughs> trust in your confidence, it doesn't matter how wrong you are, they like you. <laughs> And I'm sure he loves his daughter very much, but he's a teacher. He's like, no, sweetie, that's not the right thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely see how that could be problematic. But um, so, so we talked about in your episode how you listen to Charisma on Command or you yes. watch videos for Charisma on Command. I have recommended uh, several YouTube uh, channels like that on this show in the past, mm-hmm. and I will continue to do so in the future. What is your, and I know this is kind of off the top of your head, mm-hmm. are there any particular episodes or, or videos from Charisma on Command or any tips that you've learned from them that you really took away and that you would really want someone else to pass on? Um, well, I loved all of them because I'm like, oh, I can, I do that. Or like, oh, that's a cool habit <laughs> to pick up. There's two that mm. I wouldn't say they all, well, they all stuck. I honestly, it's kind of like picking your favorite child. You can't. Um, mm. But one is not to neglect the importance of human touch. Mm. And not to linger too long. There's like a, a right amount. And you have to distribute that if, between the sexes. So whether it's a guy, just be as like, don't be over touchy with girls if you're a guy. And don't be over touchy with guys. If well, The idea is like, there's a, like a, a rule that's unwritten, but just that like tap on the shoulder or like a high five. Any type of like human con- uh, contact is really important. But nowadays with the pandemic, that's kind of like, okay, yeah, we got to learn how <laughs> uh, to think otherwise. Another thing is showing the palm of your hands. Hmm. Showing the palm of your hands shows that you're more open and you have nothing to hide. It's, that sounds very primitive to say this, but monkeys do this. Chimpanzees and apes do this. They just show their hand. It's kind of, and I'm not saying it's a form of submissiveness, like you're giving up to the person, but it just shows it's kind of like <laughs> a dog when they roll, roll on their belly saying, hey, I'm comfortable with the situation. Cool. Let's hang out. <laughs> so, you know, that book that I talked about in your episode, the uh, body language book, mm-hmm. the first chapter is on showing your palms to people. Ah. And it's it, the entire book. Like I said, it's about evolutionary biology mm-hmm. in, in correlation to body language. And it actually talks about how we learned or it's in our evolutionary biology, and we also learn from nature to have uh, submissive uh, actions that give us some level of trustworthiness Mm -hmm. to other animals and other humans. So showing palms is a big one. Uh, Keeping hands open Mm -hmm. instead of closing them into fists. Mm -hmm. When you're addressing an audience, addressing them underhanded rather than overhanded Mm -hmm. or pointing. Uh, Showing your neck is a sign of submissiveness because that's how dogs show that they're losing a fight. Like there's all kinds of them. Like there's there's a bunch of those different tactics. So when you said showing your hands, I was like, oh yep, that's a that's a body language tactic. (laughs) But no, that's really cool. I'm 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 definitely a proponent of Charisma on Command. They have some excellent videos, and I love that they use real life mm-hmm. examples to to, to to prove those points they use superheroes they use actors they use you know they have all kinds of relatable content to to help it stick in your mind better yeah and one of the important so, ones is like how to deal with an argument and i try yes. my best like sometimes your emotions gets the best of you but it's important to try to keep yourself composed and understand like that guy you talked about the canadian there was one about him mm. and how he deals with conflicts Hmm. And I can't remember what it was exactly, but 
it's kind of cool and man now you're making me want to just go back and just watch it and <laughs> it's, it's it's whether you're a public speaker or not these are cool interesting traits that you should apply to your everyday life absolutely mm. and that's a big thing this this podcast is dedicated to public speaking but the important aspects of this podcast are that these aren't just for stage performance speeches these are just for your day-to-day communications mm-hmm. your daily interactions with other people the point of this is yeah it's, it's going to teach you how to be a good speaker on stage but very few people are actually going to be speakers on stage mm-hmm. what the point of these tactics are is that by practicing these even if it's in the comfort of your own home you're developing the confidence and the understanding of social interaction that allow you to have better communication with those around you. Mm-hmm. And that's the big takeaway from not only this podcast, but from Charisma on Command, from any of the public speaking things that I've talked about before on either of our podcasts. It, like I said, I, I enjoy speaking. I enjoy it. It is my hobby. It's a very fun thing to do. It's something that's very uh, therapeutic for me. But I don't recommend that everyone go out there and be a stage speaker if, if they don't want to be. That's just not how everyone is. I do recommend everyone learning how speakers develop themselves as speakers because that is great advice, and that's what actually instilled a lot of confidence in me when I was growing mm-hmm. up. And it's, it's something that having that ability of communication to be able to talk about anything like Alex here or be able to just engage in conversations and use body language that make you more appealing and attractive to anyone around you anyone around you are very important skills to have just in your day-to-day life. So uh, that's a very important takeaway is that not everything I say here is, is just for you to become a stage speaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's for every human on earth. (laughs) Exactly. So I think that pretty much wraps up everything I was having in mind. Alex, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Um, No, no. We shared everything that was on my mind. And first of all, this well, lastly, I guess, because we're at the end, this is a wonderful thing you're doing. You're sharing your voice with people and then you're making it open for anybody to learn and just mm-hmm. apply it to their everyday life. So I duly, I duly, I do greatly appreciate this podcast and thank you for having me on. Absolutely, Alex. I'm very glad you're able to make it and I am very grateful for you having me on your podcast. It was the least I could do to have you on mine too, although I did kind of blackmail you into doing it because you you no, put me on the no. spot in front of a live audience. <laughs> you didn't blackmail me. No, no, no. This is this is this is what this was meant to happen. Yes. <laughs> exactly. No, that's a good mentality. But no, I'm I'm very grateful for all of that and this goes true for both of our podcasts. I'll give you a little shout out here too. For anyone who has a weird hobby, you're more than welcome to reach out to Alex. He's looking for people to do episodes with. He mentions at the end of all of his episodes, if you have a weird hobby, you can contact him and I'll let you do your shout out here in a second. Mm -hmm. And if you have any public speaking or just general presentation, communication, debate experiences that you want to talk about, you're more than welcome to come on my show and talk about those things. Clearly, as I've mentioned before, you don't have to have a public speaking background to be on this show. Alex just happened to have that <laughs> background, which I was very fortunate to have because I provide some great insight. But I'll take anyone and everyone who wants to talk about this subject because it's a very important conversation to have. And that being said, Alex, have anything else you want to plug, even though we plugged it all at the beginning, but just to remind them. Oh, yeah. So once again, my podcast is open to anybody with any hobby, whether it's odd like... Uh skydiving while making breakfast i don't know if that's a thing or i actually even (laughs) had my grandmother on for walking so she's 80 years old she walks and that's her hobby so my podcast is open to anybody with a hobby um other than that uh you can find my podcast on anywhere 
So it's called Time for Your Hobby. I am on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram, it's Time for Your Hobby. And Twitter, come on, Alex, you got this. TF, time for your TFYH podcast. There you go. And uh, yeah, I'm very friendly. I, I don't bite. Uh, although my wife says I do have horse teeth. So oh, don't worry, these teeth are only for carrots. Uh, so yeah, yeah, but once again, thank you so much, Brendan, for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Alex, and thank you so much for all of our listeners for tuning in, and I hope to see all of you in the next one.